You're listening to Veg Your Best. There has never been a more important time to be vegan. At Veg Your Best, we're here to help you limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products without feeling deprived, overwhelmed, or unsupported, even if no one you know is vegan. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a life coach, and I want to show you that living vegan is so possible, and it will unlock the possibilities you see and give you the confidence to take on your next goal by doing it your way. If I could go vegan in 2015, back then with all my excuses, I know that you can start moving in a vegan direction too. Veg your best, and there's nothing you can't do. Episode 119, Vegan Adventure Athlete, Bicycle Brendan Walsh. Welcome, welcome everyone to Veg Your Best, or maybe, maybe it's welcome back. You know, the theme of adventure has been coming up for me and around me and around my clients really a lot lately, quite a bit. Adventure. And geek alert, this will only take a couple seconds, but geek alert, (laughs) adventure comes from the Latin root advenire, the verb, the verb to arrive. Adventure implies that there will be some sort of arrival. If you've ever heard of the concept of the hero's journey in literature and in myths, one of the first stages of the hero's journey is that call to adventure. Some inciting incident, maybe a tragedy or an event outside of their control, pushes the hero, out of their ordinary world, out of their comfort zone. And now, now they've got a mission. And that involves arrival in a different place. And the Christmas season is often referred to as Advent. Maybe some of you have, have had an Advent calendar growing up. Advent, it's from the same root arrival. And in the Christian tradition, the arrival is of what Christians believe is the Messiah. But arrival and adventure, they are part of our human mythos. It is part of our human and cultural narrative, certainly not limited to any religious tradition. In all times and cultures, humans appear to have been drawn to stories of adventure, of endurance, and arrival at goals. Today's guest, today's guest is adventure athlete Brendan Walsh. Bicycle Brendan to his many followers, and you're going to hear today how Brendan's own call to adventure came after a car accident, and how It gradually changed him and his ideas about what was 
impossible for him in this life and informed his book titled For Those Who Can't. Now, I don't want to spoil any of it, but I hope that you'll keep a tiny part of your brain and soul open as you're listening to Brendan for what adventure is next for you. As always, Bicycle Brendan Walsh's contact links will be in the show notes so you can just listen and I will catch you on the other side of the interview. Bicycle Brendan Walsh, welcome to Veg Your Best. Awesome. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for having me on today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Ever since I started to learn about you, I was like, oh, I hope he'd come on the pod. I mean, I know most of my listeners tend to be women more like my age and, uh, and in a different uh, different part of life. But I think you are a phenomenon. And I just thought everybody should know about you if they don't. Oh, well, thank you so much for your kind words. I super appreciate that. Oh, it's great. It's great to have you. So I I hear you called Bicycle Brendan all the time. So where did that where did that come from, Brendan? Uh, that that moniker uh, kind of came around when I uh, rode my bike across the country for the very first time. Uh, it was 2017. I was riding from Boston to uh, St. Jude's, uh, Boston to Seattle for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And that's kind of, that's kind of when the, the name the name came to be. And was that your first time riding as a fundraiser or doing something kind of one of your adventure uh, athletic events as a fundraiser? Yeah, definitely. That was kind of like what started it all was, mm. you know, and, and not only was it my first first big adventure, first fundraiser, all that, like I had literally never even done it overnight on a bike before. Oh, so how many overnights did that entail then? Uh, that was a like 4,000 mile journey that took me about two months. Wow. Yeah. Just completely on a whim. A whim. Completely. I just strapped a tent, uh, a guitar to my bike and, and headed west with literally no plan at all, except for I'm going to make it to Seattle. <laughs> So did you, was there, were other people doing this adventure? Was it, a, it was just you yourself looked for sponsors and people to donate? Yeah. So it was a lot more grassroots. Like, uh, you know, my grandmother passed away, uh, from melanoma, I think like a year before, give or take, you know, like a couple months, like, and I really wanted to do something to honor her and bring awareness to it. And, you know, I was thinking about what causes would be a great thing to represent and bring awareness to. And I just thought about, you know, kids with cancer and like, there's literally not a sadder concept than that. You know, it's like the saddest thing I could possibly ever think of, you know, it's like my grandmother, she got to live a long, full life, you know, and these kids are super optimistic and really hopeful you know, in, in the face of much, much adversity. So yeah, no, I just set off uh, and kind of put it out there on the internet and did a couple of interviews, like randomly bumped into like a writer in Ohio and kind of just slowly got the word out there more and more and more and was able to raise a little over $4,000 uh, on that fir very first adventure. Wow. Yeah. wow. So, and then you got the bug. Totally. Yeah. I'll never forget. Uh, I was in, you know, I was working at a school. I was working in a uh, AV manager at the school for like years. And, you know, I kind of took like a sabbatical quote unquote, I was really like gonna quit. And they were like, do you want a job when you come back? And I was like, Oh, I, I need one. Uh, and I never forget this woman I worked with, I uh, stay in touch with her to this day, but she was like, what's, you know, 
this is awesome, but like, what's going to happen, you know, when you want to do it again? And I was like, ah, you know, I won't want to do it again. And then, you know, here we are five years later of doing bigger and bigger and more and what's next. And, you know, how could I, you know, and just problem solving these big, big wild adventures, you know? Well, it, it is amazing. I tried to do, I'm going to do a little bit of a mea culpa here. I tried to like bone up on the different adventures you've done, the routes, the length, the mileage, <laughs> what, what were the, what were the spe spectacular statistics about them? I just couldn't. I honestly, I, I was, my, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. I could not believe what you've done. Oh, that's very kind of you. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that like we all could do these things mm -hmm. if we just truly put all of ourselves into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really the system that like you're only going to get as far as you believe you can get, you know, and it really after that cross country ride really spurred that whole ideology for me because like I said, I'd never done even a single overnight before. I'd ridden my bike 100 miles one time. That was like my big bike physical accomplishment before this. And then, you know, this was that times like 40, you know what I mean? You know, plus plus some more. Like it was, it was a journey. And, you know, I did that and I never gave up, even though there was like a ton of reasons why I should have, especially in the beginning when I was close to home. You know, it like it snowed the day I left, you know? So all of these things kept adding up to be like, oh, well, maybe, you know, next year and blah, 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 you know, but instead I just chose to not quit, you mm. know, and it really just opened up my mind to say like, you know, why can't I do that? You know, and other people do all these amazing things. Why couldn't I do that? If I just follow in their footsteps and learn as much as I can and eat a plant-based diet and put in all the work, you know, all of these pieces add up and it's really just builds and builds and builds on the thought that, you know, you can really do anything you really set your mind to and you're really going to work uh like logically towards so not quitting is is kind of the key you yeah. might take you might have to do a u-turn and you might have to pull over and you might have to nurse a sore a sore toe or something but not quitting hmm. did you have some um on that first that first ride did you have some um times you had to pull over and spend some time nursing a, nursing a sore anything Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I mean, like I sp somehow sprained an ankle I actually got like the bird flu. I got hypnoplasmosis. Mm. So I was, I was pretty much spending zero money to sleep every night. I would just sleep in parks and on the side of the road and like people who would invite me into their house. Uh, cause you know, I, like I still am do it on a pretty shoestring budget. Uh, so I ended up sleeping in this pavilion, this like three walled pavilion, middle of North Dakota and it was just filled with birds and bird matter, big dead baby <laughs> birds and like bird shit. And it was all swirling around. I must've inhaled so much of it <laughs> that I got like the bird flu. So I, oh was, I was stuck in a red roof inn in Dickinson, North Dakota, just squeezed out like a rag for like three days straight. I lost so much weight and then continued like the second half of the journey, the journey really how it felt like, even though it was like already two and a half thousand miles uh i got bronchitis i actually forgot about this until just now i got bronchitis so i'm riding my bike 60 plus miles a day you know into the wind across north dakota montana fully loaded so i'm like riding sails against the wind and you know with bronchitis and i ended up getting an inhaler like staying with some random doctor it was like it was um like pretty much um uh, 
the definition of serendipity but like and then this then this like steroid inhaler gave me uh gave me seizures <laughs> so i was like you know the hits just kept coming really and the, and the, and they always do on these in these big adventures other than that it was fun <laughs> oh yeah no i mean like it's it's the kind of fun too where like you know you go out in the cold and you're out there for hours and you're snowshoeing, you're fapping, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's not really fun then, but then when you get home and you tell the stories later, that's when they're really fun. So yeah. Well, I'm going to trust you on that one because I can barely get into a, a cold, a cold swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Discomfort's not my middle name, but I think that's amazing. Now you mentioned uh, along the way that the things you do, and one of them is a plant-based diet, and that is one of the main reasons why I I came across your name because you are uh, an adventure athlete, an endurance athlete, and you you run on plants. Absolutely, yeah. And that that started that started on that adventure. You know, I I've, I've always always loved music, and I had you know some really great heroes and idols, if you will, growing up. And you know, I was vegetarian for like a little bit in high school. Um, and continued to not eat pork or anything. But, you know, up until that, like when I rode across the country, like I was on a seafood diet, which was like, if I saw food, I ate it. And really what I was trying to say, is I was just trying to say yes to everything, you know, mm -hmm. and I actually met my first vegans ever on that trip. And they stayed in that pavilion with me. They also like, and I never heard from them again. So, you know, hopefully they're well, hopefully they fare better than I did that next day. But, you know, it was when I got to Eastern Washington where I had this big epiphany. So I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's like a high desert. And I ended up staying with this family who owned this farm and it was wild. Like I got there and there was like peacocks and emus and quail and all these kind of geese. And like, you know, it was just a big, diverse farm. And, you know, it was an amazing stay, beautiful family, you know, really like just just gave and gave and gave like this is the kind of people that they are and that's why they're so filled with joy but you know right before i leave a neighbor comes by with an emaciated baby deer you know because when uh, a mother leaves her fawn they just kind of like tuck them under a bush or something and be mm -hmm. like yo where i'm gonna come back for you and you know either someone killed the mom you know via hunting or with their car on accident you know and never came back so i literally bottle fed a baby deer on my lap uh, to try to nurse it back to health in this moment. And, you know, a deer is something we see in such a fleeting moment. Like typically we see just the back, the little white tuft of their tails, right? Zipping off in the woods. And I had this six inch soul to soul gaze between our eyes. And, you know, that really, really stuck with me afterwards. You know, mm. unfortunately, like right before I left, it was just like too much and the, you know, it, it passed away and its body shut down. But, you know, that even deeply sowed these seeds into my soul, you know, and right when I came back, I started doing more and more and more and more research on like plant-based diets and recovery and, you know, everything like both in tune with my body and sports and physical progression, but also, you know, ethics and morals and spirituality of like, why do we even do these things we don't really need to, you know, and then ended up going vegan at the end of that year. Uh, so really, all my big adventures, all my big like athletic accomplishments, quote unquote, if you will, have really all been done uh, on a vegan diet since then. That's really, that's really remarkable. I, you know, when I was first 
maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe a little longer, but it was before I committed to a vegan practice. I, I um, followed a lot of endurance athletes that were vegan and they were mostly men. They were mostly, you know, probably a little younger than I was, but middle-aged. And I remember thinking, okay, if they can do that, I probably won't die. <laughs> I will, probably won't die gardening. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's um I, I most of the people who listen to me are 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 women middle aged um some, some uh, that's not all that listens but a lot of us are middle aged women who resonate with the idea of veganism or resonate with the idea of a plant based diet but we just think it must be impossible. How could it be? How could it be possible? And it's, I think, very inspiring to hear someone like yourself making it work with these sorts of uh, these sorts of athletic feats. So tell me one of the ones that I thought was remarkable. And was that this year? The no, last year was the um, the New England highest points. Yeah. The NE6, NE5. Yeah. Yeah, the any six. Any six. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about that yeah. one. Yeah, that was. Um... That was that was a wild adventure where, you know, I I came up with the idea where I was like, I want to run the highest point in each state of New England. And then I was like, well, that doesn't really sound that hard. So what if I ride my bike in between them? And I was like, oh, that's an idea. So what I cooked up was starting at Katahdin in Maine and Baxter. Uh, you know, I ran up Katahdin and then I rode my bike 225 miles to Mount Washington, where I ran up Mount Washington and then I rode my bike to Mount Mansfield. So it was the highest point in each state of New England uh, while cycling in between them. So a completely, you know, carbon free journey, you know, other than like the process of the food that was made, obviously, through. Um, but yeah, like no carbon emissions. And through that, we were able to raise, uh, like $3,600, uh, for the Alzheimer's association through doing that. And, you know, I did that to honor my aunt Susan and my two cousins, uh, Bridget and Merrill, who were her caretakers, uh, during the time period. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. So, and, and so, and that also, you did a grassroots type of, um, fundraiser in that, in that respect too. Oh. Okay. So, and how do people learn when you're doing these events? Yeah. So a lot of it, um, you know, as I've, as I've gone on, um, I think now people just like, know I'm going to do it, <laughs> you know, like when I first, I'll never forget when I first told my friends, like, you know, this was like a different time, like sitting around the campfire, drinking beers kind of time. Like this was like a long time ago. And I was like, I think I'm going to ride my bike across the country. And they were like, ah! you know, and then, you know, flash forward five years later. Uh, and now I'm like, yo, I think I'm going to do this. And they're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, this, <laughs> this whole big like run of, uh, of believing it. And I think, I think now it's like, a lot of it is, you know, I feel really fortunate to have slowly gained uh, some sponsors who align with my morals and values. Like, you know, when I go off and do these things, I'll have uh, Kalkia, who's one of my sponsors. They make awesome, awesome bags. Like they started with ski stuff. Now they just opened up their own bike line, all this kind of, you know, great energy that they're putting out into the outdoor space too because it's it's not just like let's make this bag and let's make money it's like they have kokia earth where they're recyclable water bottles and it's like sustainably sourced and all this stuff and you know i'm really lucky that they do pr and they'll like share uh press release and stuff for um 
you know, for my adventures right before I take off. But, you know, I also do like a good portion, if not all of this completely on my own. So like contacting people and just really just constant networking. And, you know, like I'm literally doing interviews. Like when I did the 10 K, the Guinness world record, like I was doing interviews while riding my bike 200 miles a day. So let's not let let's not let's not let's not skip over the 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 Guinness World Record that you already have have achieved. So which how was that? <laughs> Where uh, yeah, was that? That was um that that journey was in 2019. So two years before uh, the NE6 we were just talking about. That was last year. Um, that was the fastest time to cycle across the United States from north to south. Um, hmm. So that was a big project called the 10k for nami which you know i set off to raise ten thousand dollars and awareness for the national alliance on mental illness you know nami nami the national national alliance on mental illness um Mm -hmm. uh you know they're one of the nation's leading grassroots mental health organizations and you know they I learned a lot before even doing this through NAMI and, you know, I've dealt with mental health issues my entire life. And, you know, starting at 18, I lost three friends to uh, mental illness from 18 to 22 to a suicide and one of a drug overdose. And this was really my way to bring light to this. You know, the number one demographic of people who commit suicide are actually young men. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to do this and, you know, bring awareness to this as much money, but bring awareness to this cause for the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And that was part one of the fundraiser was that Guinness World Record. So through that, we raised a little under 6,200. But, you know, I'm a man of my word. So I said I was going to raise $10,000. So what I did the following year in 2020 was I ran a hundred miles across the entirety of Cape Cod. So from P town all the way down to woods hole uh, in 22 hours to raise the remaining uh, $3,900 for the national Alliance of mental illness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That that's amazing. That's really amazing. Now, how do you come up with the feats, the, the, the roots, what are, do they just come to you? Do you look at them at an atlas and go, that sounds hard. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I love maps. Like I love maps. Um, you know, and I also love adventure and I like to think I'm like kind of a student of all of it, you know, like I really respect everybody who's ever done anything for me. And I try to learn from them and, you know, kind of look at it like you're standing on the shoulders of giants. That's really how I look at, you know, the concept of venturing. But, you know, I'll look at a map and really I call everything I do art ventures, you know, because I was a musician. I still am, but like, I'm not like a professional musician anymore. So this is kind of like a big way to express myself. You know, it's not just like this big physical endeavor and, you know, it's all that. Like, it's a concept, you know, that turns into so much more than it originally was. So, you know, I can look at a map and just dream up a million different things just by staring at the spaces in between. Wow. So that 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 actually makes more sense to me now that it is a piece of conceptual art, what you are creating, because it, it must require all kinds of time and all kinds of um, planning. And it's not just, you don't, maybe the bike ride that you just set out or, or did you have a, or did you have a fully fleshed out route for the first bike ride? No, I, no like, that's what I got the impression. No, yeah. no, I had maps. Like I would get to the next state 
Yeah. And go to the very first gas station. And this was like 2017. So you could still do this. Like, I don't even know if they sell maps in gas stations anymore, but like, I would have to go to the corner where they tucked it away and buy like the New York state map and the Ohio map. And like, literally I'd buy the map of the state I just got into and I navigated Mm -hmm. across the country with maps for that. So no, I had no idea what I was doing. But now, but now you've got plans now, when you do them yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely have a little bit uh, more refined plans because, you know, a lot of it too is pushing the boundaries of not only of what I have done before, but what people think is possible. And like, you know, these creative, you know, you're talking about art, you know, as a concept and that really how it is, you know, pushing the boundaries of thought and possibility and, you know, uh, a lot of that requires a little more finer planning at times, you know, like for the NE6, it was a lot of, you know, cause I was, I'm generally out there completely self-supported, you know, so I'm carrying and getting all my own food and water and doing everything on my own. So like that in itself adds all these complications. So you try to plan a little bit better and you do the route and, you know, you have that, but you really can't be too stuck in on anything because mm. crazy shit's going to happen and you're just going to have to deal with it. So you try to like set some parameters, but also just know that sometimes you're going to have to color outside the lines. So, you know, you, you talked about the, the NE6. I know as a kid, my dad literally dragged us up, up mountains. We've, we've been up Katad and we've been up uh, Mount, Mount Washington and I remember on Mount Washington, I, I actually can visualize the stones. People do die occasionally when there's a freak snowstorm or 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 they are in themselves have some sort of a, a health emergency on the trail. And there's not really too much to be done about it in large parts of it. So did you run into any kind of crazy weather on some of these uh, the mountains? Oh, yeah, totally. Like it was <clears throat> I mean, you know, I'm also like. I'm lucky to, it's a bit of a stats thing too, where like the longer you're in an environment, the more likely something is to have happened, you know? So I was absolutely boogieing through these things. Like we did, we did Katahdin in like under four hours and we did Washington in like under four and a half hours. But like, that doesn't mean like it started to hail at the top when we got to Mount on the top of Mount Washington. And we're like, we got to get below tree line, you know, because it's not only you're just about time and everything, because, you know, everything I do is pretty much like time-based like the any six, I said six days, but I did it in four and a half. So I'm like trying to like absolutely gas it the whole time, you know? So that involves getting down safely, you know, and you really have to respect mother nature because if she really truly didn't want me to pass, then, you know, all of my nightmares leading up to it about like riding my bike to the foot of the mountain and then just being it blanketed in snow could come true you know, and really you just have to ask for safe passage and act respectively. Wow. So (laughs) no, you said we, is that the Royal we, is that the the voices in your head or do you have someone that goes with you? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the voices in my head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you prove that you did it? Like, do you, do you have, you have a camera with you? Do you, well, like a GoPro type of thing or yeah so it depends on the journey um so with my bigger longer ones i'll also carry a spot tracker Mm. 
so I'll record them on my watch on my bike computer, um, which, you know, like my bike computer doubles as my navigation when I run. So like I'm using it on my bike to get from here to there. And then I'm taking it off my bike and to run the trail up the mountain and all that. Uh, so <sighs> it's, you know, I record it on my watch and I carry this bot tracker, which actually kind of makes it really fun because then people can kind of interact with it and it becomes something that, you know, they become a part of and which is exactly what I'm looking for because it's not really any sort of, Oh, look at what I've done. You know, it's not like I'm trying to like, there's my Guinness world record is, I don't know where it is. It's it's in my basement somewhere. You know what I mean? Like I don't have this stuff. Like really, I don't have trophies on the walls really. Like it's not why I do it. It's to share these experiences with people and to like try to make a difference in the world. So when I have the spot tracker on, I'll have some amazing moments where, you know, like on the NE6, um, this woman whose mother uh, has been affected by Alzheimer's, she bought my book beforehand and like was a big fan of it. And she like met me out on the road with a sign and stuff, you know? So it's like those, those ways, like really, really fill my heart with joy. And those are the times that push me further uh, through everything. So it's, it's a little, you know, and I'm doing Instagram stories too, you know, most of the time, cause I'm trying to bring awareness to the causes, you know, so you really just got to kind of push out stuff. And I feel, you know, I feel like you're kind of, um, you obviously know, I'm sure you know the story of Roger Bannister who broke the, what was it? The four minute mile. And then once he, which people thought humans couldn't, couldn't break until he did. And then after he did, People are like, oh, <laughs> I guess it can be done. And it was broken many, many, many times and continues to be broken. What you're doing is sort of like that. It's kind of just going, oh, someone could really do that. They could go up and down all those mountains and they could ride their bike in between and they could do it, plan plan to do it in six days, but actually do it in around four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's one of the greatest human stories of all time. You know, I think that truly describes us as a species really is the whole Roger Bannister story right there. And I, I love it so much. And I use it as uh, you know, uh, I use it as an analogy all the time because of that, you know, it's like, everyone's like, Oh, you couldn't do that. You can't do this. And like, you know, you can't with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you do it on plants, which is another, is one of the things, one of the themes of my, of my podcast of the work I do is People think it can't be done. It can't be done happily. It can't be done healthily. I mean, people have all kinds of ideas why it would just be impossible. And I love that you're just doing real impossible things with it. It's so fun. That's so fun. So, so you've done the NE6, the uh, the mountains in New England. You've done the, your your Guinness uh, World Record was going from the tip top of Maine to Key West. Was yep. that it? And yep. how how long did that take? So it was 2,300 miles from uh, the border of Canada in Madawaska, Maine, down to the 90 miles to Cuba buoy in Key West. And I did it in uh, 11 days and nine and a half hours. And what what was the previous record for that? Uh, they, they set it as 12 days. So maybe a little more than half a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Were you ever nervous <laughs> that you weren't going to make it? Um, I mean, you were going to make it, but were, that you weren't going to break that record. Uh, no, because like, like I said, like, yeah, there'll be times where I'm like, like, even I am like, how am I going to do this? But it doesn't mean I don't believe I still can. You know what I mean? You just have to be like, in that moment, it's a smaller piece of a problem that you have to solve. And just like, 
the overall arching system of belief is there. It's just in those moments you're like, oh, well, I didn't get a flat tire until the very last day. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, Is that, is that when it was? The very, very last, last day. day. And at that point, I had extreme cyclist palsy. So basically, I crushed the ulnar nerve in my hand. Mm. So I cut off blood flow to the second part of my hand for from riding, you know, 17 to 20 hours a day, you know, for at that point, 10 days straight. So I had no use of my silly putty fingers. And I'm like trying to put I lost a screw of my wheel doing this. You know, so I'm like physically unable to put it over the tire and I like lost the screw. And like, even in that moment, I was like, you know, this may like mess a lot of stuff up. And I theoretically could have like not made it, you know what Mm. I mean? Um, But those are the times where you're like, you really got to fall back on the cool and be like, okay, just remember you can do it if you believe you can do it and just like solve this problem and then move on to the next one, you know, because I'll never forget when I was riding my bike across the country and I would like, I had a cell phone, you know, I didn't, you know, I used maps, but I had a cell phone. I would like look on Google maps and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much more to go. You know, but like what the the key is, is just like focusing on the next pedal stroke, you know, or the next step, you know, or the next paddle stroke. It's, it's really just trying to bring yourself into that moment, back into the moment to solve the problem, you know, otherwise you're just so easy to get super overwhelmed by the immense, you know, landscape thrown in front of you. And such, and such a metaphor for everything in life, right? Totally. Yeah the the next step the next choice um with with people who are having trouble with uh trying to commit to plant-based eating it's always just one choice at a time and to not beat yourself up when that choice doesn't work out to learn from it well how did that happen what can i do next how can i because nothing goes nothing goes according to plan every single time totally and i think that's one thing with being a vegan too is like you know I have friends who get like, I have this one friend in particular who he's like, I'm going to do it, man. And he does it. And then he like messes up. And then like, he's like, I couldn't do it. And I'm like, nah, dude, it's just like knowing that like, you're going to mess up, like, especially in the beginning, like, dude, I didn't know pesto had Parmesan cheese and until I was left feeling not the besto afterwards, you know? (laughs) And like, that's, that's how it all is too, is you're like, oh, 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 it's a big learning process. And I think we're way too, you know, and this is an issue I have personally, but like we strive way too hard for perfection when like in reality, we should just be doing like our relative best to the scenario, you know? You don't like, how you expect to learn everything overnight? You're not, you know what I mean? And it's like, I slowly like even even me like yeah it kind of sounds like boom I went vegan I was like yeah but it's still over kind of like a couple of months you know what I mean like where I was just like oh this no that oh this no that you know and it was just completely just slowly replacing all these things you know and then all of a sudden people you know someone says to you they're like oh I've never had vegan food before and you're like bro you've been eating it your whole life it's called an apple you know, like that's the yeah. thing too. Is yeah. we, you know, veganism is not perfection. If anything, I say it's the most natural thing. You know, it's the curved lines. It's not the ninety degree angles. You know, it's the rugged roots and the rapid patterns that flow through the forest. Like, eventually, you'll figure it out. You know, but you just like in the beginning, you know, it's just learning like, oh, instead of this, you do this, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, like now I can 
train so much harder. You know, I think a lot like more clearly and you also don't carry all this karmic guilt from ingesting suffering of, I mean, most people eat like a bunch of meat every day, you know, like think about how much suffering and literal death you're consuming. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've felt that relief karmically, energetically, and you've also felt the, uh, the relief physically in terms of, uh, so many people say inflammation, especially someone who was working out like you are at the extreme level of their endurance. Inflammation is usually a, something you, you have to have a strategy for. Oh, totally. And also just like the bioavailability of protein, right? Mm. You know, like you say you get like a some, you know, hunk of flesh has 70 grams of protein, but like you're not going to get 70 grams of protein from that hunk of flesh. You know, whereas if you eat 40 grams of protein from tofu or 70 grams of protein from tofu or seitan or tempeh or legumes or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because we know plants have protein, uh, you're going to get more of it. And it's less stress on your body, too, you know, because everything's all connected. Right. So if you don't have to your body doesn't have to work so hard to process that protein has more time to repair and to recover and flush out that inflammation and everything. It's, you're really just like, it's almost like a cheat code after a while. You're like, Oh, I have boundless energy now. Well, you seem to, it seems to be true in your case. So, and you know, you were just talking about the idea of, of you don't, you don't figure it all out all at once necessarily. And you, there's, there's a learning curve. And I always, I always say you, you couldn't do what you do if you never made a mistake, right? In terms of your work, in terms of your athleticism, in terms of your 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 bicycle, your tools, your planning, you, you. But the thing is, you try not to waste the mistakes, right? You try to like learn from them and make a make a better plan. And this is what we this is what we're trying to do at Veg Your Best. And so it's yeah. so so cool to have you doing it in a in a really kind of um, a metaphorical way that just kind of blows our minds. And your book is called it's for those who can't for those who can't yep yeah tell me about that because that's really you're kind of showing us most of us maybe can but are not going to (laughs) but for those of those who can't (laughs) well that's the thing too so like you know my athletic journey like yeah I played sports in high school but then I kind of went off on a bad tangent I moved to Boston and like started hanging out with felons and blah, 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 you know, and then I got in a really bad motorcycle accident. And then I found my high school mountain bike and I rode that around the block. And then I was like, I wonder if I could ride that a bit further. And then all of a sudden I rode my bike across the country. And that's one thing too, is people need to realize like where they're at, you know, it's like nobody expects you to go from couch to marathon. You know, it's called couch to 5k. Like even in this expression within our society, which makes everything be perfect, it's still couch to 5k. So a 5k for someone else may be a marathon for someone else, you know, and kind of like relevance of, of where you're at in your own journey, right? Because this is your journey. Like you're not just like jumping in the middle of somebody else's is like not how it works. You know, this isn't like you're getting cast onto a different ship to go across the Atlantic. Like, no, this is this is a process of honestly just like fucking shit up and learning from it every single time over and over. Mm. You know, and not really having the ego with it too, you know, like not being so attached to it, you know, and like knowing that we're imperfect, right? Like we're gonna mess up. Yeah, it is part of it, right? That's part of it. You wouldn't you I always say you wouldn't read a book or watch a movie where nothing went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you just be like no <laughs> yeah 
Not for me. Yeah. So I think that, and it's, you can choose your own adventure, but you have to choose your own adventure also. We can't yeah. choose yours. And we can't choose someone else's. We have to choose the thing that works in, in our, in our wheelhouse somewhere, somewhere there. So tell me, and now uh, your book, it, um, when did you write that? Yeah. So I wrote that book, uh, right after I got back over the course of, you know, I started right when I got back, but it was over the course of about a month and a half, maybe two months because, you know, I had cyclist palsy. So I wrote the entire book with my thumbs on my iPhone. So I wrote this 200 page book <laughs> by texting it. I texted this whole book to myself. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling so much self-loathing right now because I've been working on a book for, for months and months and months and, and my thumbs work. <laughs> my my oh. hands are fine. Good for you. Wow. Well, that's the artist's pursuit though, right? You're like, oh, it's not done. It's not done. That's done. And like, you know, that's a lot about like, you know, what we were talking about before is like a date on the calendar is sometimes you just got to be like, yo. This is like, this is when I'm going. And that's how I've done all my stuff is like, I'm going this day. And like, you know, uh, before the 10K and before the Guinness World Record ride, you know, like the book starts off with a terrible accident I got in a month before I was supposed to leave. So I got hit by a car. You know, I was going 25, they were going 25. So it was like a 50 plus mile per hour collision that collapsed my bike in. I had wicked bad PTSD. I tore my meniscus. I had a crazy concussion. I had whiplash. I had a hell of a bone bruise. Like I had a laundry list of injuries. And, you know, that made me have to push my ride back until the fall of that year. So it starts off with me getting hit by a car, coming back through the whole process and then doing, you know, it, that was just to get to the starting line, you know? And like, that's, that's a, another big thing too, is people don't realize like, it's just getting to the starting line can be the hardest part. You know, it's like at, at, you know, 200 miles a day isn't easy, but like at that point, like riding the bike was the easy part, <laughs> you know? Once you'd taken off, once you were on your way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, it was still like unbelievably difficult, but most definitely sure. Like, like getting attacked by fire ants and you know it's once again snow like it snowed the day i left in madawaska but it was 105 in key west so it was like it was rapid rapid variability uh and all that so you know it tells the story of the journey but it also tells you know kind of my mental health story uh kind of how i've dealt with mental health my whole life i talk about my friends and i also talk about you know, some philosophical ideas that kind of like the whole concept of just like believing in yourself. Right. You know, mm. I really try to push that. We really tell our own stories, you know, and this is me telling my own story and just a little sliver of, of my life through it. Well, we are going to put links in the show notes and, and on Instagram when, when this airs so people can find your book. But why don't you tell everybody right now where they would look for your book? So it's called For Those Who Can't. Yeah, for those who can't, uh, the, the story of uh, the first U.S. North to South record, you can find it on my website, uh, bicyclebrendan.com. Find out a little bit more about me, my speaking page, if you want me to speak at your school, at your bike shop, anything like that's on there. And it's also uh, on Amazon as well. Amazon, and there's even a, a little Kindle option, if you prefer that. That's great. So yeah. for those who can't, and um, you also on your website... You people can book you to speak, but yeah. also you do coaching for people who are looking to, to to take on a real adventure. 
Yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. What kind of, what kind of coaching is that? Yeah. So it's pretty much like, I, I call it like adventure consulting, you know, mm -hmm. because when uh, a few years ago, like, you know, obviously nine, 1976, that was the bicentennial ride. That was the first like big ride across the country that started the whole adventure cycling association and, and that whole movement about like big touring in in America. And my whole thing with, you know, adventure consulting is I, I love playing outside. Like I love riding my bike, whether it's, you know, a fast road bike or my fat bike. Like I love paddling. I love trail running. I just love to be outside. And like I was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of adventure. So I'm constantly trying to soak it all up because I just find it fascinating as much as I find it fun. So what I do is I help people put together their own first cross country ride or their, you know, ride around New England or, you know, get ready for their first ultra marathon and, you know, just kind of things like that to really like make people's help people make their dream into reality because that's a, you know, we're talking about the starting line. Like that's really what it is, is helping people navigate those crazy choppy waters before they even get there because otherwise it can really seem like, insurmount like unsurmountable when you look at the entirety of it but when you break it down like you you're able to solve these things and, and get there and you know have this amazing experience that's going to help you grow as a person and you know it's really just going to make you a better brother sister mother father partner you know etc when you go on these big journeys i i think that's such an exciting uh in coaching, we call it a niche. That's such an exciting niche to have adventure because probably 90% of the people, if not more, talk themselves out before, talk themselves out of it before the starting line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah big time. And I think, you know, just, you know, we don't always necessarily have the best circle around us when we start off on these journeys too, you know, like I didn't, you know, like all my friends slash colleagues, if you will, like they were all beer drinking buddies. You know, and like over time, like I, I had to like distance myself from a lot of like unnecessary negativity because they weren't really growing in themselves. So, you know, I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. And it's the concept of surrounding yourself with good people, you know, and like, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's not like the craziest idea ever. You can totally go hike the Appalachian Trail. Like, why not? You know, that's uh, that I think that's just so inspiring to think that there's actually someone who could could help you if you've got. So, so if anybody out there has a dream, at least run it by Brendan, at least run <laughs> yeah, it by yeah. him. But be careful. He might talk you. Uh, he might talk you he into doing a little it. bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brendan Walsh, thank you so much for making making uh, getting giving us a little glimpse into this kind of uh, adventure lifestyle and your athleticism and your real devotion to helping the world people to visualize something a little bit better for themselves. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Brendan. Oh, well, thank you so much for your kind words and thank you for what you do. So, so what did you think of Brendan Walsh, AKA bicycle Brendan, if you're following him on social media, Brendan, is always dedicating his adventures to worthy causes, as I think you've heard in the interview. He's always drawing attention to people and issues. His adventures are dedicated, like his book's title, for those who can't. And I know many of us on this vegan and plant-based adventure will resonate with Brendan. And I hope that you'll follow him on Instagram at BicycleBrendan and encourage him on his next adventure. 
I know he's working on one right now. But it's not ready for public announcement, and I'm going to bring Brendan back when he's ready to let us all know. And in the meantime, I, I will be recreating one section of Brendan's Guinness World Record North to South bike trip with a couple of modifications. Instead of, instead of starting in Madawaska, Maine, on the Canadian border, I'm going to start in suburban New York City. And I'm going to finish about 200 miles north of Brendan's adventure, which went to the tip of Key West. And, of course, I'll be in a car and I'll be staying in motels. <laughs> you know what? We don't compare adventures, do we? Never compare your adventure to anyone else's. What I really loved in my conversation with Brendan is his infectious spirit. Let's allow adventure to infuse whatever undertaking we have in front of us this month. All Brendan's links for social media and how to get his book for those who can't, all of that will be in the show notes. So, so, have you got an adventure? Is there an adventure? There's somewhere you want to arrive rattling around in your brain? I can't wait to hear about it. Okay, kids. Until next week, Veg Your Best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.